welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on the show, talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This time, I'm joined by Shane Farmer of Sweet As Photos to talk about his photography journey and how it has shaped his relationship with the world. Shane's work has varied and covers a range of genres, but he keeps coming back to landscapes and in particular waterfalls. It was this particular passion that saw him involved in an incident which he describes in our chat, one which is a poignant reminder to all of us about the importance of being safe in the field, making sure someone knows where you are going and when you are expected to return. Luckily for us, Shane has survived and recovered from the impact this incident has had, and he shares not only what happened and the aftermath, but also how he works in the field to stay as safe as possible and to capture the amazing work he does. I hope you enjoy the show. G'day, Shane. Welcome to the podcast. How are you going? I'm well, thank you, Grant. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, absolute pleasure to have you on, on board. Um, as I said uh, a little bit earlier, you know, I've been uh, following your work and I, I certainly think it's really up there with some of the best I've seen um, and very happy that you've uh, agreed to spend a bit of time with us talking about what you do. So why don't you start with how you got started and where, you know, what, what raised that passion for landscape photography? Yeah, for sure. And uh, before we start, thank you for that intro. It was uh, really nice to hear. Um, I've seen some other people you had on your podcast and I've and I do follow them. They're amazing photographers. So just being being asked to be here is, uh, is a true honour. Okay, so for starters, uh, I got into photography when I was in the Navy. I was an aviation technician and just really liked, well, I still do, love helicopters and aviation. And I've always had a bit of a an eye for photography. I've always looked at something and just thought, oh, I could picture that on a wall, you know, as a poster. And yeah. Uh, that was back in the film days, of course. We're talking back in late 90s. Got yeah. a Pentax MZ50. Uh, took rolls and rolls of film and pretty well ruined all of them. I uh, didn't put a lot of effort into learning photography. Just put the uh, camera on auto and went to town. Managed to score some great aviation shots, which I'm happy to say I did sell quite a few of when I was at the squadron. Mm-hmm. And a hell of a lot more than I've actually sold now with uh, a digital camera. Okay. So um, my camera actually, the motor mechanism inside froze when I went to Franz Joseph in New Zealand. Uh, unfortunately, I lost all of my images from that trip mm-hmm. and pretty well just gave it up for quite some time until uh, I turned 40, only just a couple of years ago. And uh, yeah, I just said to my wife for my birthday, I want a camera again and I want to get back into it. And slowly just started to learn, pieced it together, watching a YouTube videos, connecting with other local photographers here on the Sunshine Coast, and the passion just grew from there. Oh, fantastic. So landscape in particular, is it uh, where you live that's driven that, or is it, you know, the travel that you've done, or is it just something that's sort of come along incidentally? Basically just come along incidentally. Um, I do live on the Sunshine Coast coast in Queensland. It's got some amazing waterfalls, beaches, hinterlands. Uh, you, there's so much here to photograph and you can't go wrong as far as landscape photography. Um, I also work in outback Queensland on a defence radar site. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I don't get to go away from site that much anymore to explore and it's a pretty boring landscape, but the skies out in central Queensland, as far as astro, uh, 
storms, the sunsets are just incredible. Yeah. And uh, now I've just, and also a bit of travel as well, been in New Zealand, Fiji, Indonesia, Singapore, Thailand, and um, just, yeah, my passion for landscape itself and seascape and pretty much everything that's not portrait photography is uh, what I'm into. I even do a little bit of macro photography. That's something I'd like to uh, get a little bit more involved in, but it's purely just landscape for me. Yeah. Waterfall, waterfalls, I love to photograph a lot. Yeah, I've noticed that from your, your feed. Definitely uh, you've got a passion for waterfalls. I guess what is it about those sort of scenes that, uh, you know, get, get you going, make, makes you get up and get out there? Mate, it's just basically being out in nature and listening to that water movement and just capturing the environment is what I really love. Plus, I can do it during school hours. Um, I've got kids and yep. some good quality ND filters from Nissi help that a great deal. Sure. But um, I also do fly in, fly out work. And with wife and three kids, a lot of my photography is between the school hours. Yeah. I find that waterfalls is the easiest way to do uh that sort of photography as far as capturing lights concerned. Right. Um, I do I do prefer to get up for sun, sunrise, sorry, and do some seascape stuff. But yeah, with a family, it's uh hard to do, especially yeah, with a, a it's a tough kid when you've got kids, yeah. Yeah, and one of those says uh you know moderate to severe autism. So okay. when I'm home, I like to give the wife uh, a good break from the two weeks where she does it all by herself. Yeah. So yeah. like I said, school hours is uh, a lot of the times what I'm limited to. Can't recommend Nissi filters enough for that daytime long exposures. Uh, fair, fair enough. So around the Sunshine Coast, I reckon you'd be spot for choice. Uh, and, you know, you can go a little bit further south down into into the um, sort of Brisbane and Gold Coast hinterland as well. And uh, there's there's plenty of plenty of falls there. Are there any that are in particular that you sort of keep getting drawn back to? Oh, look, I... Uh... My wife says I've got too many photos of Butterham Falls, but it's literally <laughs> you can't have 10 minutes from photos of Butterham Falls. <laughs> I agree with you, mate. Um, it's 10 minutes from my house. It's so easy to get to. Um, but I would really like to get down to Lamington National Park a bit more. I went down there a while ago with another exceptional photographer, Dominic O'Brien, yep. and had an absolute ball. Unfortunately, halfway through the trip, the sun came out and just was too harsh to capture anything decent. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'd love to head back there again, um, but pretty a lot of the uh, Sunshine Coast waterfalls are always good, just depending on rain, like anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, any any waterfall is always going to be dependent on uh, how much water is coming off it. You can have too much sometimes too. Absolutely. Uh, just the recent um, flooding that we've had. Yeah, we've uh, had well and truly too much. <laughs> I, I came back at a good time from my trip away to work because uh, during that all that time where I actually wanted to be home, I saw some footage and it was just crazy, but you can't even capture um, yeah. good waterfall photography in those conditions. Yeah, it's not bad for video, but uh, not much chop for, uh, for for taking a, a still image. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess, you know, not, not just waterfalls, but, you know, in, in terms of your workflow, when you're planning, uh, you know, a, a trip, are you, you know, thinking about what you want to capture before you go? Are you, or are you more ad hoc in, in terms of your approach to planning and, um, you know, deciding where to go and what to shoot? Uh, well, with living on the Sunshine Coast for 16 years, I've usually got a bit of a plan of attack. Obviously, you check all the weather apps yep. and um, the, the tidal 
uh, forecast for the day, time of year, the moon phase, and with all the apps these days, I mean, you can really easily plan or you know avoid going somewhere and getting disappointed with uh, with all the info that you can get there. But yeah, I generally do have a a plan in mind. Okay, that's cool. Except for, when, for photography, you basically just go and hope for the yeah, hope hope the water's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what what about when you get on uh, on site and you know you're you're in the field and uh, working working the, the the space? What are you what are you looking for in terms of your your compositions and you know that sort of relate and and I guess you know the the more important question for me is how does that relate and you know into your style of uh, of work etc. Well, I guess uh, with, for instance, um, I guess landscape and seascape photography, you're looking at your composition as how much of the sky you want in the image, how much of the foreground you want in it. Uh, like some days you can get there hoping for a bang of sunrise and it's just absolute garbage mm -hmm. or there's a tiny bit of colour on the horizon. So I just set my focus for the foreground, hopefully to get uh, capture a nice amount of flow or uh, landscape itself. Yep. But, um, yeah, just play it. Uh, Play boy, but uh, when you get there, okay, fair enough. So, um, it sounds like you you're doing, I guess, more reaction to what's in front of you than sort of going in with a preconceived notion of uh, about what you want to shoot. I mean, obviously, you're sort of saying, okay, well, if I go to you know um, Noosa and one of the beaches there, and you say, okay, well, this is what I want to. I want to capture some flow that that's obviously in your mind but you know are, are you thinking more in depth about the, the the concept of the image or are you thinking more about okay well i'm going to play it by ear when i get on site basically play it by ear i mean um a lot of the times i just go out hoping for good conditions most of the time i don't get them yep. and just try and make do with the current uh scenario when you get there yeah. but i mean it's, yeah, it's always good to it's always good to have a preconceived idea or composition of when you get there, but the weather can change things for you. So you just got to make do with the best you can when you get to the place you go. Yeah, no, I get it. So what are you doing, I guess, to try and, uh, you know, capture the, the, the images that, you know, fit into your style, I guess, what are you, what are you, what are you doing on site? And are you, are you always doing long exposures or are you, you know, trying to mix it up a bit? Oh, I always try to mix it up a bit, but uh, long exposure photography is, you know, what I really like to do. Uh, there's just something about, you know, capturing the stars, capturing waterfall movement, uh, capturing cloud movement. Um, I just find, uh, you know, the interesting part of landscape photography, but also just the scene. Uh, you can see in the video on the wall behind me is a shot of One Tree Hill at Mullaney. I mean, uh, just you can't go wrong with the shot there. Beautiful tree, beautiful landscape glassy house mountains in the background and just hope on the day too that you get something decent as far as uh sky is concerned yeah so what what about processing you've got your uh you, you've got your um image and you know you think you've got a banging sky or whatever you know you, you get home what are you what are you doing with it are you you know getting straight into the processing uh you know uh, area or are you going to leave it and let it sit for a while or how, how, well, do, you, how do you approach it i'm always excited to get home and get the images onto the into lightroom and photoshop i use both uh, pretty well the same mm -hmm. i um, have a couple of plugins for like uh, pro panel um, yep. and what else is there oh, 
got me on the spot now. No, but I, I, I guess most of the editing is done in Lightroom to start with, and then I will use Photoshop to remove any artifacts or um, mostly for sharpening. And I may use the pro panel if I'm going to like do star stacking for star trails, uh, maybe enhance some foliage or just try something new. I mean, I think photography is an art and you can really push some of your images to the limits. And if that's the way you go or decide to do things, then that's totally up to you. I mean, you can really ruin some images with over-processing, yep. but um, as you know, with most images, there is a certain amount of post-processing that has to be done in order for you to show what you're trying to show the viewers what you saw on the day because it's not always captured that way in camera yeah absolutely no I, I i do quite a lot of blending myself so i'm i'm yeah but we're well aware of the amount of uh effort that goes into into some of these images um i guess are you you know are you happy to spend you know a, a couple of hours on an image or are you more of the you know give it 10 15 minutes and that'll do it uh, a bit of both, depending on the actual image itself and what I'm hoping to achieve from the outcome. Uh, a lot of stuff just gets thrown on social media and then uh, in a hurry, especially in my early days, uh, oversaturated, um, horrible images. I look back at them now and I just think, oh, my God, why did I do that? But it's all a learning process. You know, as you learn more, you get better. Um, you become pretty well a bit of a Nazi in your own work, uh, a huge critic. You know, a lot of people that follow you or family always say that, oh, your images are amazing. And you know, there's a lot of photographers out there going, oh, well, look at this, this is wrong, this is bad, this, you should have done this and that. And now I'm actually going through some images back from my first camera, my Canon, uh, just an entry-level cam uh, camera. And I've now with post-processing that I've learned, I've actually, you know, produced some really great images from just a basic camera. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's an important thing to you know for people getting into the, the the field and you know just entering it. You don't necessarily need to be spending money on the the, the biggest and best and you know uh, you know most amazing piece of kit. I mean, good glass will always make a difference over you know, kit lenses, but even with a kit lens and with a, a basic entry level. DSLR or even a mirrorless, you know, you can still make some uh, amazing images. And I think, you know, that, that's a, it's a really important message that uh, people need to, uh, you know, that, that are starting out really need to hear. Absolutely. And there is some really uh, great intelligence software out there to help you with that. Um, like I've done a lot of nature photography, particular birds, animals, and, you know, difficult situations, you've had to bump up the ISO. Yep, come back home, put it on the screen, and it's just absolute garbage. And I've just recently downloaded Topaz Labs, and uh, what that can do for noisy images and sharpening in general is just crazy. I've you know, got some great images back on my feed now and on my uh, computer that I would have just before thrown out, would have just totally discarded and not even gone back for a second look. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, how do, how do you... Uh, obviously using those tools. How do you feel about some of the criticism that gets levelled against those uh, or users of it, not less so against the, the, the software itself, but using those AI processing techniques to, you know, um, improve, you know, you, you do hear uh, occasionally people saying, oh, well, you know, it's it, it's sort of taking away some of the skill of the photographer and, and so forth. How do, how do you kind of react to that? Oh, look, there are 
some world-class photographers that use that software. So maybe they're being paid to say it, more than likely, I guess. But, you know, if they're producing it like, um, you know, a lot of professionals would do for products that they're being paid to, you know, they're putting it out there, whether or not they use it, that's totally up to them. But as far as criticising software and people's style of photography, I just, I don't have any time for it and I don't waste my time dealing with people like that. You know, if you don't like someone's particular style or what they've used or created their image, keep scrolling, you know. A lot yeah. of the people that give that criticism out there aren't really all that good themselves and for them to sit back and criticise other people behind their keyboard, I find is just pointless and a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. It's, uh, it, it, it's probably not a, not a massive problem, but it's something that certainly I've, I've seen a little bit of, and you know, occasionally you get that. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, the obvious one is, oh, is that photoshopped? Well, yes, of course. That's how I process my images. <laughs> yeah, or is that a filter? Is, like, well, is that a filter? Yeah. Well, when you say is that a filter, like they come with your iPhones or your Samsungs, they've got yeah, filters exactly. in your. But when you say, is it a filter? Well, no, it's just how I produced it later on in Lightroom and Photoshop. Yeah. I mean, if people can say they can only just do raw images, it's like, well, you can really tell the difference between a raw image and one that's been processed com you know, compared to what you actually saw on that day. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest, you know, a raw image is exactly what it says. It's raw. It's, it, it's basically the data that your sensor captured. That, that's exactly what it is. And, you know... The, the the processing of it is the art well one of the artistic you know elements i think of photography and you know i i liken it very much to darkroom you know you you have a look at the you know the ansel adams and um so forth of the world you know who were known for not just doing you know out of camera images they were doing you know pe people like him and um uh, and others were doing composites, you know, way back in the, the darkroom days, you know, with, with, you know, silver acetate plates and so forth, not, uh, not, a, not even, you know, film negatives, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, that a, a lot of what you're doing in software, I mean, okay, a little bit different, some of the sharpening stuff that goes on, um, you know, with some of the AI programs, but, um, you know, a lot of what you're doing in Photoshop and, uh, and Lightroom is largely just light, um, darkroom techniques being brought into the 21st century in the digital age. Absolutely. Um, again, you know, the camera will only expose for the light it's uh, focusing on. And there's so much more to the image, what you see with the naked eye, that people don't quite understand. And that's where that uh, blending process or HDR images comes into play because you're actually trying to show people what is what you saw on the day, which you can with an iPhone. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're great for capturing you know, everything in the one image, but it's, you know, you're not going to produce amazing quality images with an iPhone. Well, even some of those, I mean, some of what some of what's going on there is just kind of, um, you know, AI processing under another guise you know you've got uh, yep. you've got video images being used to actually then create a single still still images uh, still image you know using certain processes depending on you know what function you've turned on on your on your phone you know so some exactly. of those things like um i think it was the google pixel you know doing blur removal and uh you know the ability to you know remove photo bombers and all the rest of that sort of thing you know yeah 
and you're able to do that now in your phone, you know, it's I, I, I don't see the problem with, uh, with with that sort of processing outside. Oh, 100%. Like you said, I mean, uh, the phones do such an incredible job now and that's the difficult part with being a photographer these days is getting your work out there, getting recognised because everyone with a phone in their pocket can pull out a phone or a camera and take a great shot bang it straight onto social media and you know it's out there millions and millions of images um, but separating the difference between you know uh, an expert image and a phone shot to the most people it's pretty hard to tell yeah yeah totally so i guess that that leads me to the question around uh what led you to i guess you know the the artistic style that you've sort of chosen as opposed to you know as you, as you said, you could go out with your iPhone if you wanted to and catch similar sort sorts of images. But, you know, I, I guess looking at the difference between just capturing an experience and producing what could be classed as a work of art, you know, how, how do you how do you feel about that and where do you where, where do you sort of start from in, in that process? Basically, again, as we talked about earlier, you know, I love the long exposure photography. And in order to do that, you obviously need a tripod, a decent camera. And my, they, there are some pocket cameras or phone cameras that can do those these days. But there is a huge difference in the quality and the output of the image at the end um, yeah. using a real yeah, image. Absolutely. Uh, and the, I mean, the, um, the data in a raw image on particular my camera, the Fujifilm X-T4, is a yep. 50 megapixel image. Uh, there's just so much data in it. And depending what you're trying to actually pull out of the image, do with it, um, that's why you need, you know, a, a better style camera that can do that as opposed to just a happy snap. You can't capture astrophotography with a phone. Oh, sorry, that's, that's not true. You can. You can. But it's... <laughs> oh, I've seen it and it's... No, exactly. Yeah, unless it no bigger than an A4 or you know six by four inch photo. Yeah, and I think that that's an important uh, factor. Is you know sensor size is obviously going to have a, a big impact on you know what you can do in terms of print. And if you if your end goal is to print, and I, I certainly encourage everyone I talk to to you know print print your work. You know if you if you're uh, creating these images just to put on on Facebook and whatever, that's great, you know, if that's all you want yep. to do. But, you know, I, I don't I don't think it, it really looks to me, and maybe, maybe it's because I'm a, a, an old fuddy-duddy, but, uh, you know, it just doesn't look real to me until it's uh, in, in a physical form. Yeah, that's something I haven't done a lot of, but uh, I've actually got a couple on a memory stick at the moment that I'm going to head out to. Ted's Marichidor after I finish talking with you and get a couple printed. Yeah, no worries. So, yeah, well, actually, I want to get uh, some more around the house, but trying to get the wife to decide on the right one is the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I have that problem slightly, but uh, and she keeps saying, well, do we really just want it to be an, an art gallery of your work? And I said, well, I'm happy to buy other people's work if you want, but you know, <laughs> mine yeah, well, for the cost of printing alone. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like there's so many good photographers who have produced great images and you'd think, yes, I could have that on my wall easily. But for me, I would actually like to go and capture that same image, put my own work into it, my own uh thought process how i want yeah, to see it, it. Of it. Yeah. yeah absolutely and then then i could actually say that image on my wall 
when people come to my house, he's mine, not someone uh, that I've bought it from. Yeah. So you had a experience recently which uh, followers that, you know, people that follow you uh, would obviously have uh, seen records off. Do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when Mother Nature strikes, hey? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was out shooting my favourite place, Budrum Falls, as, we, as we've talked about, and I was up to my very last shot of the day. I was actually quite excited this day. I got some really nice new compositions, which, uh, funnily enough, I never thought I could do there. Um, and I was waiting for three ladies to walk through my shot, and I just did a six-second exposure. I was about to pack up my gear and head home, but obviously had to wait for them to get out of the shot. Um, as I bent down to pick up my camera, I heard a large crack, barely had a chance to um, react. And next thing I know, um, I'm being woken up and a large tree's on top of me wow. and um, being evacuated from the scene by about 20 emergency services personnel. Oh, that's incredible. So, yeah, I... Uh, Ended up with a large gash on the head. Thankfully, those ladies actually were there that day because they came back and rescued me. One of them, yep. the ex-paramedic. Uh, they came back to the scene, just basically saw a big heap of mess and a tree and my arm hanging out and a fair bit of blood flowing down the waterfall. So um, if they weren't that, there that day, there's a good chance I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Yeah. So I'm yeah. very fortunate. Uh, like I said, ended up with a massive gash in my head five fractured vertebrae, multiple fractured ribs, scapula, about a third of a collapsed lung, wow. broken leg, all the ligaments in my ankle shattered, and worst of all, lost my camera. <laughs> I know that can be easily replaced, but bones heal. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a pretty tragic day. Um, did, did you lose the shots as well? Or? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how this, I mean, Fujifilm make quality cameras really nice and strong, the X-T2 I had, but it ejected the, well, it smashed the lens off the actual camera body itself, destroyed yep. the tripod, lost the SD card, somehow just opened the door and ejected that on me. So, yeah, most commonly asked question by everyone besides, are you okay, was, did you get all the, uh, what images did you get from that day? And unfortunately, got nothing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty hectic time. Took quite a few months of recovery. Um, six weeks in a wheelchair, uh, four and a half months off work. Wow. But, um, yeah, back in the gym and running and everything's good. Uh, took yeah. its toll on the family and uh, my poor wife, unfortunately, she suffered quite a great deal. I can imagine, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, but what surprised me out of the whole thing, Grant, was the um, photographer community. My good friend, George Berg, started a GoFundMe page, yeah, which I didn't want anything to do with. Um, he started it off and pretty much raised enough money to replace the Fuji with an X-T4, a new lens and a tripod. Wow. And uh, basically just over $5,000. And money came from all over the place, from my friends, family, a lot of local support from photographers on the Sunshine Coast, Australia, and believe it or not, all over the world from other Instagram followers, which I've never met. Yep. But uh, just goes to show just how great the photography community are and how supportive they are. Like it blew my mind, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I remember remember seeing the uh, the the GoFundMe campaign being doing rounds on Instagram back then, and uh, you know it was uh, 
something that I, I, I certainly contributed to, but uh, I think, you know, the, the, the community, you know, that sort of forms around photography, you know, people, you know, know or people that do know what the risks are in, you know, inherent in getting out into some of these. I mean, Butterham's not necessarily particularly remote, but, you know, some of these locations have their own risks. I mean, you you can get swept off rocks off a, on a rock shelf at uh, at Bondi or Coogee here in Sydney. You know, um, yeah, absolutely. So you know, and I I think it's absolutely fantastic that the community sort of rallied around and uh, you know, um, you know, uh, I guess went some way to uh, you know helping you out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you for your contribution, Grant. Uh, there's a lot of people. I know that uh, contributed to it and I haven't had the chance to thank personally because I didn't know who they were, to be honest, but uh, yeah. with posts that I put out there, um, I'm truly grateful for everyone who did support me and it, just the messages uh, alone, you know, coming through, uh, messages of support really helped get me through. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So but, in uh, terms... Like I say, with, the, oh, sorry, like I say, with the, a lot of my um, times I go out shooting, got to risk it for the biscuit, but... Yeah, you also got to be really careful because he can end up, um, you know, badly injured. So I was, I was going to ask. So where are you with the recovery process at the moment? Are you what what you'd call fully recovered medically and everything? Yeah, hundred percent. I still receive a little bit of physio for um, parts of my neck and upper back, but uh, as far as everything else is concerned, still get a little bit of grief in the uh, right ankle where that uh, basically. Did a massive spiral fracture of my fibula. I've got a nice big um, titanium plate there now. Yeah. Doesn't make me feel any stronger, but I'm back running, you know, five, seven kilometers a day back where I was. And honestly, I feel great. No, that's 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 fantastic. And how about any sort of what well, if you're getting out into the forest? Are you particularly careful about trees, uh, trees jumping on you? Yeah, no, I I do actually look at them in a different way now. Yeah. Um, but it was just a crazy accident, like, you know, getting hit by lightning. What's the chances of it happening? I mean, there's a gazillion trees out there everywhere you go, particularly around waterfalls. Yeah. Um, but I honestly don't have any PTSD from it. Um, I've been back to Budrum Falls a couple of times since then. Um, I mean, what's the chance of it happening again? But I'm definitely keeping a lookout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So in terms of, you know, what what did you, I guess, uh, learn out of that entire, entire experience? What what was the what was the key takeaway that you, you took away from you know the, the, the whole thing? Most importantly to um, I guess just make sure everyone else important to me um, was okay as well. Like I'm Mentally strong, physically strong. I'm ex-military. Yeah. Uh, I don't let things get me down, but I kind of neglected the wife a little bit during the process and just, I guess, in my own head, trying to get back to getting uh, repaired and recovering. And mm. I didn't actually realise just how much she suffered from it. And oh, yeah, I wish I'd put a bit more time into her. I didn't neglect her at all. You know, I just um, didn't see in the beginning just how much it really affected her. But as yeah. far as anything else is concerned, Hasn't stopped me one bit. I still love Mother Nature, even though she tried to kill me. Yeah. Um, and it, it hasn't stopped me getting back out there and doing what I love doing. 
Yeah. I mean, I know my wife, when, when I go out for a shoot, particularly early in the morning and particularly if she knows I'm, I'm going to be on my own, she sort, sort of makes sure, you know, I text her when I get there and I text her where I'm going to be and where I'm going to shoot. And, you know, I stay in that general vicinity as much as I can, you know. Um, yeah. Are you doing things like that now that you might not have done before or...? I always did that, Grant. Uh, a lot of the waterfalls in the Sunshine Coast, there is absolutely no reception. Yep. Um, and I knew that she would worry. And just for your own safety, it's just smart to, you know, be in contact with people, let them know where you are, how long you intend to be gone for, and when you get back purely so that they can uh, send help if they don't hear from you. Yeah, well, that, that's it. You know, I always, always give her a, uh, either a call or a, a text if I can if uh, when, whenever I get back to the car and on, on my way home just so that, uh, you know, she, she knows what's going on. Because yeah, as, as you say, it's really important that somebody does know where you, where you are, you know, and because, you know, something like that could happen at any time and, you know, you're, uh, if nobody knows where you are, then uh, no one's going to know where to look. Yeah. I also, uh, in my camera bag, I don't know if other landscape photographers carry it, but I always carry bandage, um, yeah. face shield, or just a tiny first aid kit. Just, uh, yeah, like anything can happen like it did. And yeah. uh, it's likely it could happen again. Uh, great idea. So I guess in, in terms of, uh, you know, driving and fueling your passion, do you think it's made it more or less? A, a passion for you or hasn't affected me one bit i don't think grant um mm. you know mother nature is just so beautiful i mean whether it's sunrise sunset the stars the sun um, the ocean the hills just getting out there and being amongst nature and getting away from the world wi-fi and capturing it in its uh, absolute essence is just so rewarding yeah absolutely yeah i know what you mean so have you ever uh, come across a creative wall that uh, you've hit in terms of, you know, not being motivated or not being able to, you know, nail a, a particular composition or something? And how did you handle that? Yeah, I mean, that happens all the time. Um, obviously, waterfalls are um, always affected by rain. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, more often than not, when we get the good downpours at home on the Sunshine Coast, I'm usually out in central Queensland and it's just hot and dry here, boring landscape. And I just see everyone's stories and everyone's images and it just, you know, it bums you, gets you down. And especially when you miss absolute banger sunrises. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you wish you could just be close to the ocean. You wish you could not miss every single image, but that's for the photography game. You know, you just got to be a little bit creative and um you know just hope that next time you go out you get the actual conditions you're after absolutely yeah and i think that's that's always the uh the, the chase though isn't it you know you you might keep going back as as you do uh as you said before you know you keep going back to the same locations because you know haven't quite nailed it or you there, there's an angle that you've looked at and thought, oh, I want to take that, but there wasn't the light or whatever, you know, and you know, you're, you're always sort of trying to look for those things to, to keep you going and, uh, and, and move the creative um, juices on, I guess. And that's the beauty of having, um, you know, other photographers in your area. Like um, there are some amazing photographers on the Sunshine Coast yeah. and I see some of their images of particularly Budrum Falls or, you know, uh, places like Coolum and Noosa and I just yeah. think, 
wow, I wish I could produce that shot. And it just drives me to go out and, you know, try and not uh, get the exact image that they've done, but something very similar. So that's what inspires me to get out there and do it. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what tips would you have for someone just starting out in their landscape photography journey about, you know, how to, how to progress and how to, you know, um, I guess keep that creative fire going? Learn, learn, learn. Um, yeah, network with other photographers, get on YouTube. Oh, I spent so many images, uh, ruined so many images that, that are, you know, over-processed, over-saturated, over-sharpened, um, didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, I've seen new people come out and actually take the time to learn, to uh, discover and just get out there amongst it and just produce amazing images right from the get-go. So, yeah, you'll never stop learning photography. There's so much to learn, particularly post-processing. But just get out there, enjoy yourself um, and, yeah, take lots of images. You can always delete them when you get home. That's right. Yeah. If you don't like them, get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. The beauty of digital photography, hey, I, I processed so many um, films back in the day and just wasted so much money. But these yeah. days it's just too easy to just, you know, take a thousand shots and then if you get a one or two good ones, then great. Totally, totally. So what's the, what's the thing you like most about being a landscape photographer? Like I just said to you before, mate, capturing Mother Nature in its essence and it's in its finest is just the rewarding part for me. Like um, getting an absolute banging image that you just love and then printing it. And or I mean, I don't do photography to sell images. It's purely just a hobby for me. Yep. But yeah, getting feedback from other people as well that you know really like images or would like to purchase one off you, I also find very rewarding. Yeah, totally. Um, I've also I've sold quite a few uh, jigsaws with Jigsaw uh, Gallery Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks to COVID, that helped a lot. Um, you know, just having people enjoy your images as much as you do, or I do, is uh, just it's rewarding for me, mate. Right? It's, it's just being outdoors with Mother Nature for me. Yeah, no, I, I get it. What about what about the things you like least about being a photographer? Post processing. Really? Okay. <laughs> it can be so time consuming. I mean, it's rewarding when you actually you finish with an image and you're totally happy with it, but there's so much time spent on it. Um, yeah, it'll be great to just go out, you know, pick out your iPhone, take a shot and produce an absolute banger. But as uh, you know, it just doesn't work that way. And also getting up really early in the morning. Yeah. Um, that can also be a bit of a pain, especially in summer for sunrise. I mean, you're looking at getting up at 3, 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, that's yeah. that's always a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to get to where you're going and then to be an absolute fizzer, it's just a bummer, but that's the game and uh, that's the chase, as you know. Absolutely, absolutely. So what do you like to do when you're not out shooting? Oh, mate, lots. Uh, my second biggest passion is fitness. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I really like to keep a um, you know the body healthy and strong, not just for myself, but you know, as you get older, things start to... Fall, fall and break apart. Yep, yep. But also to be a um, good role model for my children yeah. and people around me, and just um, just do stuff with friends and family. Yeah, nice. Do you think the fitness side of things is important for your photography? Absolutely, mate. Um, especially if you're going to get out and like go hiking, it's going to take you, you know, quite a lot of time to get mm -hmm. to your destination. 
like uh, Lamington National Park. I mean, that's like an 18-kilometre circuit. Um, that's a big day. Um, and I also kind of feel that having my fitness level and strength the way it is, I think that helped me a lot with the tree accident. Yeah. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that if we're in the same situation probably wouldn't have fared as well as I did. Yeah. Um, but uh, just just being healthy, mate, uh, everything in moderation is what I say. <laughs> no, totally agree. Totally agree. So are there any uh, photographers out there you think I um, should be talking to on the podcast? Ooh, yeah, mate, heaps, heaps. Um, he's Dominic O'Brien, George Berg, mm -hmm. Jasmine Lee. Oh, mate, you stumped me. Oh, there's just so many floating through my head at the moment. Um, <laughs> and that's just the you know, Sunshine Coast photographers. Yeah. Um, you know, when you say landscape, you know, there's also, I guess you could think of underwater landscape photography. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. Uh, so many brilliant photographers out there doing that, pure underwater imaging. Um, yeah, a lot of overseas photographers. I don't know if you'd be able to get them on your podcast, but. I've had a, had a couple. I've had a bit of luck with, uh, with a few people. So, yeah. One guy in particular I follow, uh, Isolated Peak Photography. Okay. Um, his landscape that. images over, you know, around North America, Canada are just absolute bangers. Um, his, uh, his name's Ash. He's just top quality stuff. And, yeah, yeah definitely worth a look if you're uh, on the Instagram. All right. I'll, uh, I'll definitely be, uh, be looking some of them up. Um, I guess, you know, just, just in sort of wrapping up, uh, I've got one more question. And for many who listen to the podcast, it's the most important question I can ask. And I know it's a, a big issue in the photography community. Um, do you like pineapple on pizza? <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Ham and pineapple is just like they go together, like bacon and eggs, like perfect sunrise and a good seascape. Yeah. What about you, Grant? What's your thoughts on it? Um, I'm in, I'm in neutral. Uh, if, if it's there, I'll eat it. If it's not there, I'll, you know, I, I, I'll eat it too. And, uh, you know, I, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to order it, per, you know, personally, but um, I know, uh, you know, one of my girls certainly likes it. And so if she, if she's got a, pa a ham and pineapple pizza there, I'll be, uh, I'll be taking a slice. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mate. But, uh, nothing against pineapples at all. I'm a Queenslander. No, unless it's being delivered by the boss. Um, no one likes to get a pineapple from them. But um, <laughs> as far as pizza is concerned, mate, uh, I like all pizza. Um, it doesn't have to have pineapple on it, but I surely wouldn't shy away from a good wine, I tell you. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Tough question, mate. I didn't think that one was coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's been absolutely marvellous talking to you, Shane, and hearing, you know, your your story, you know, particularly that, uh, you know, story about, um, you know, the, the, the tree, et cetera, at Butterham. Um, where can people find your work? Mostly on Instagram. I do have a Facebook page, but I kind of over Facebook. I don't get on it very much anymore. So yeah. I wouldn't waste your time looking for me there. But if you are on it, go for it. But yes, my handle is sweet as photos, spelt with an F. I do know how to spell photos. Uh, <laughs> just when I was coming up with a name, I saw I could come up with. There was honestly not much out there. Oh, uh, <laughs> I post all my stuff on Instagram mostly, a little bit on Twitter, but I'm only just new to that. So and a tiny bit on Facebook. I wouldn't um I don't get on Facebook that much anymore, just mostly yeah, Instagram. 
Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Shane. Uh, hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and um, you know we'll uh, talk talk again at some point. I hope. Yeah, absolutely, Grant. And uh, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honour. I um, was so surprised that you um, asked me to be on the show, but uh, I do truly appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. Love your work, mate. Thank you, mate. You too. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work and this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm -hmm.